good to be back. I don't think, I've never gone four weeks without preaching. I'm ready to go this morning. <laughs> I'm ready to run out the gate. So we're going to start in Matthew 24. Matthew 24. Watch therefore, for you do not know what hour your Lord is coming. Be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. I want to highlight the word watch and ready. And I'm going to read you several more scriptures, and I want, to, I want you to Pay attention to how often Jesus and Paul tell us to watch for the coming of Jesus, his return, his second coming. Watch and be ready. Or the word ready could actually be translated prepare. I'm going to talk to you about preparing this morning for what's coming. Mark 13, Jesus says, But of that hour, of that day and hour, no one knows, not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. Take heed, watch and pray. There's that word again, watch and pray. For you do not know when the time is. It is like a man going to a far country who left his house and gave authority to his servants and to each his work and commanded the doorkeeper to watch. Watch, therefore, for you do not know when the master of the house is coming, in the evening, at midnight, at the crowing of the rooster, or in the morning, lest coming suddenly he find you sleeping. And what I say to you, I say to all, watch. I want to highlight the word sleeping. You notice that's going to come up again and again, that Jesus says the people who aren't watching for his return, the people who aren't prepared for what has to happen between now and when that happens, you're asleep. And he says, wake up, pay attention. From Luke 21, pay attention to yourselves. I want to highlight the word, pay attention to yourselves, lest your hearts be weighed down with partying and drunkenness and distractions of this life. And that day will come upon you unexpectedly, for it will come as a trap. On all those who dwell on the face of the whole earth, watch, therefore, there's that word again, watch, therefore, and pray always that you may be counted worthy to escape all these things which will come to pass and to stand before the Son of Man. That's what Jesus said about it, and then Paul gets in on the watch action also in Acts 20. Paul says, watch, therefore, and remember that for three years I did not cease to warn you, everyone, night and day with tears. Paul is so concerned that we are paying attention, that we are awake, that we are watching for the return of Jesus, that he's, he says, for three years I wept while I warned you, because you're not paying attention. You're living your own life. 1 Corinthians 16, 13, Paul says, watch, stand fast in the faith, be brave, be strong. 1 Thessalonians 5, but concerning the times and seasons, brother, you have, you have no need that I should write to you, for you yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so comes as a thief in the night. When they say peace and safety, then sudden destruction comes upon them as labor pains upon a pregnant woman, and they shall not escape. But you, brethren, are not of the darkness, so that this day should overtake you as a thief. You are all sons of light and the sons of the day. We are not of the night nor of darkness. Therefore, let us not sleep. There it is again. Let us not sleep as the others do, but let us watch and be sober. And then in Matthew 25, back to Jesus, he tells us this story of these ten bridesmaids. And the word in the Bible is virgins. It just means a young unmarried girl. It's not specifically of their sexual status, although it was just assumed that if they weren't married, they were virgins. And so uh, just think 10 teenage girls, unmarried, bridesmaids waiting for a wedding. The kingdom of heaven shall be likened to 10 virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. Now five of them were wise and five were foolish. Those who were foolish took their lamps and took no oil with them, but the wise took oil in their vessels with their lamps. And while the bridegroom was delayed, they all became tired and slept. So in Bible times, in Jesus' day, the wedding would be planned not by the bride and her wedding coordinator, it would be planned by the groom and his father. 
And when everything was ready, he would come and get the bride, and she and her bridesmaids were supposed to be ready. He would send word ahead and say, I'm coming, and they were supposed to be ready. Well, they have word that the groom is on his way, but it takes a while. For some reason, he's delayed, and five of them were ready, and five were not. At midnight, a cry was heard, Behold, the bridegroom is coming. Go out and meet him. And all the virgins arose and trimmed their lamps. And the foolish said to the wise, Give us some of your oil, for our lamps are going out. The wise answered, saying, No, lest there should not be enough for us and you. Go rather to those who sell and buy for yourselves. And while they went to buy, the bridegroom came, and those who were ready went in with him to the wedding, and the door was shut. Afterwards, the other virgins came also, saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. And he answered, Assuredly, I say to you, I do not know you. Watch, therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour in which the Son of Man is coming. So, even in Jesus' parable of these ten young girls, they get tired and they fall asleep. Notice these five unwise girls are not the people of the world who don't care about Jesus' return. These are people in the church who know Jesus is coming, who are actually watching for it. But while they're watching, they get, a, they get tired and fall asleep because it takes a long time. I wonder who that might be. Yeah. At midnight, the announcement comes, the groom is almost here, and they wake up, and their lamps have burned all their oil while they were waiting, and they hadn't brought extra. These five, the five wise ones had brought extra just in case. Who knows? Let's be prepared. Let's be ready. And the other five had not prepared. They just they brought their lamps, and their lamps were full of oil. But while they waited, all that oil was burned up. The wick, you know, sucked the oil up out of the, out of the little pitcher, that they used, and 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 their oil is gone. And they say, "Give us some of your oil. Our lamps are going out. Our lamps are going out." The Bible says, "Your spirit is the lamp of the Lord." My spirit, it, it took too long, and I got sleepy, and now I'm dry. My heart is dry because it's been a long time, longer than I thought, and I had to endure more than I thought, and I wasn't prepared for what was coming, and now my lamp is going out. So they say, give us some of your oil, and the wise say, no. Hello? Jesus doesn't say that they should share. Actually, because you can't. You can't give somebody else the Holy Spirit that you have. Every single individual person has to go to the Lord on your own. You can't borrow grandma's faith. Hello? You can ask grandma to pray for you, but you can't have grandma's faith. It's actually impossible for us to give away our faith in Jesus. Everyone must get their own. But notice... The wise say, no, go and buy. They don't say, oh yeah, the groom will have extra for you when he gets here. You go and buy. You take responsibility for yourself. You go and buy. I want to talk to you this morning about watching. The word watch in all those verses that I just read to you, there's actually three different words used in the Greek by Jesus and Paul in all of these stories, that it all gets translated watch in English, but there's actually three different words there. I'm not going to distinguish between them for you because uh, you don't need a grammar lesson. I just want you to, t I want to tell you that it means to look with your eyes, but it also means to pay close attention 
It also means to stay awake, as in literally it means to keep your eyes open. Stay awake. And it also means to be vigilant and to be on guard. And the word ready in several of those verses means to be prepared, to be ready for an event to happen, or to be ready to take action, to be ready to make an event happen. So these virgins needed more oil than their original amount that they had. I'm going to take you to Ephesians, where Paul says, Do not be drunk with wine, in which is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit. And that be filled word there in the Greek is the present progressive tense. It means continually be filled with the Spirit. To be filled continually, over and over, continuous present tense, be, I'm being filled with the Holy Spirit. So I was listening to Derek Prince this week, and he, he pointed out this verb tense in this passage, and he says that when we got saved, or when you got originally baptized in the Holy Spirit, Jesus gave you some oil. It was a gift. But from then on, it is your responsibility to make sure you are continually being filled And both the wise virgins in the parable and Jesus in Revelation says, that's not for free. You have to buy it. Let's go to Revelation chapter 3. Jesus, speaking to the church of Laodicea, the one that makes him want to puke. He says, I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire that you may be rich and white garments that you may be clothed that the shame of your nakedness may not be revealed and anoint your eyes with eye salve that you may see. Jesus says, I counsel you to buy from me. Jesus does not give everything away for free. Jesus is not your babysitter. He's your king. He's not your nanny that does everything for you. Hello? Yes, when you are a lost sinner, helplessly stuck in sin, covered with filth of the world, and you can't do anything about it, he swoops in and he saves you and he cleans you, he washes you in his blood, and he fills your lamp with oil. From then on, you go and buy. Well, what does that mean? Well, I don't know. It means be continually filled with the Spirit. What do you need to do to be continually filled with the Spirit? Well, it means you're going to be continually reading your Bible. You're going to be continually in prayer. You're going to be continually, as we just sang, my only response is to worship and to pray. Hello? Jesus says over and over in these verses, watch and pray. Might have something to do with that. How do you you interact with the Holy Spirit? You can't say, well, I was born again 40 years ago, or I was baptized in the Holy Spirit 12 years ago, and you should have continual interaction with the Holy Spirit of God. Present tense, alive in you right now today. Be filled. Make sure your lamp isn't running dry. Well, Jesus will give me what I need. Not necessarily. He said, I counsel you to go and buy. And the wise virgin said, you go and buy. If you're not paying attention, if you're sleeping, he may not take care of what you need if you ignore it. Many of you were originally filled. When you were born again, when you were water baptized, when you were Holy Spirit baptized, but have you bought extra since then? Have you invested in the kingdom? Is your heart really, present tense, filled with the Holy Spirit? We have to continually be prepared, ready for whatever's going to happen between now and when the groom comes. 
So when we talk about preparing, I know you all heard these Bible verses. You've seen the scary 70s movies about the rapture. Um, you've read the Left Behind series. Some of you are preppers, and uh, you're stocking up in your basement, and you're stocking up with your gold and your ammo and, and all of that stuff. And, and, hey, I'm prepared. I'm ready. I'm ready for whatever comes. I'm prepped. I got my bank account. I got my secret hoard of silver coins under my mattress. I got enough ammo to supply the U.S. Army. I'm ready to go. I'm ready. You know, in, in all of my years, I have, I have never spoken with anyone who said, I really need to prepare for the coming troubles. I need to stock up on faith and courage and humility and love. I've never heard anybody say that. I've never heard anybody say my faith is weak because I get afraid when I see empty grocery store shelves. If that bothers me, what am I going to do when there is food, but I'm not allowed to buy it unless I def defy Jesus? And I have to watch my kids and grandkids starve. I'm not ready for that. I better stock up on some faith. I've never heard anybody say that. Everybody's ready with their vacuum packer and their 18 AR-15s. At least on our side of Oregon. I've never heard anybody say, how am I going to survive real troubles without denying Jesus? I better stock up. I've never met anybody who said, our time is really short. I need to give away more money because we haven't stored up enough in heaven yet. I wrote that on Friday morning, and then Friday night, Sarah said those very words to me. I told her she wrote herself into my sermon. I wrote, I've never met anyone who said, our time is really short. I need to give more money away. I haven't stored up enough treasure in heaven yet. But Friday night, we're discussing the fact that our vehicle has over 200,000 miles, and should we buy something different, and we don't have any debt or any payments of any kind, and like, well, we could afford this payment, but we don't really want it, the payment. And, um, and I just like, well, I guess if we think we can afford the payment, we could just keep driving the vehicle and give that much more away in our giving each month. And she said, that's the word of the Lord. Time is so short. She had no idea what I was preaching. She said, time is so short, we just need to give it all away. There was a man who Jesus told us who was very good about saving his money and stockpiling food. And this is what Jesus said about him in Luke 12. He told this, them this parable, the ground of a certain rich man produced a good crop. And he thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. And he said, this is what I'll do. I will tear down my barns and build bigger ones, and there, will be, there I will store my grain and my goods. Food and wealth, huh? That's your bank account and your groceries. I'm going to store it up. I'm going to prepare for the future. And I'll say to myself, you have plenty of good things laid up for many years. Take life easy, eat, drink, and be merry. God said, you fool. This very night your life will be demanded from you. And who will get what you have prepared for yourself? This is how it will be with anyone who stores up things for himself, but is not rich toward God. Notice Jesus doesn't say it's wrong to store up things for yourself, but you be rich to God first. That means generous. That means money. It means you give your money away. Don't spiritualize that. No, it's practical. 
God says, you fool, you're going to die tonight. And all of your imaginings of the good and the bad things in the future, you're not going to see them anyway. So your prepping is a waste of time. And your fear is a waste of time. Because you aren't going to live to see it. I preached on this a few months ago, but let's go back to James 4. You don't even know if you're going to be alive to need to prepare for. Now listen, you who say tomorrow, today or tomorrow, we will go and do this thing, go to this city and spend a year there and carry on business and make money. Why? You do not even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if it is the Lord's will, we will live and do this or that. If it is God's will, I will be alive tomorrow and this is what I plan to do. So Jesus says, be ready, watch, pay attention, be prepared. But then he tells this parable of the guy who stocks up food and money and God calls him a fool. What are we supposed to do, Jesus? You're supposed to do what God tells you. Because he knows whether you're going to be alive tomorrow or not. Be ready. You don't know when the Lord is coming for you. How do you know you're going to need the things you think you're going to need? You watch and be ready according to how the Lord individually directs you. Because you're stockpiling your money and your ammo and your silver and your toilet paper and your canned soup and your dry beans and you're preparing for financial disaster and you're preparing for retirement and all of that. And what if you're going to die next month? There's lots of ways that could happen. I'm being careful about how I say that because I don't want to curse anybody, but what if? God has numbered your days. He knows. You don't. We're not against prepping. We got food stockpiled enough for quite a while. Plans and thoughts and imaginings about how my future is going to be. And the Lord's like, how do you know? Maybe you don't know what you're saving for retirement and you have these plans about your RVing or your snowbirding or whatever, but you don't know you're going to live till retirement. What if we all have to flee Oregon at a moment's notice because of a natural disaster or an invasion or a nuclear missile? And all you can take is what you can fit in a backpack and jump in your car and drive east as fast as you can. The preppers aren't ready for that. What if your house burns down? And all of your labor for years of stuff that you've stored up is gone. Seriously, Jesus said moth and rust destroy what we store up on this earth what if inflation eats up all of your assets seriously it's going to happen the people who've been responsible and saved and put their money in retirement and and by the time we get there the government has anything to do with it gas is going to be 15 dollars a gallon and a million dollars will buy you a one-bedroom apartment Seriously, I'm not saying don't save. I'm saying you need to know what the Lord tells you to do. 
So you don't need to be afraid of inflation destroying your retirement account if God says put money in a retirement account. But if he says, I want you to give away an extra 2000 every month from now on, you're like, well, God, what about my retirement? Maybe you're not going to be retired. <laughs> Seriously, whatever God tells you to do, he's preparing you for your future. Because none of us has the same future. If God says sell your house and move to Mexico as a missionary, you better do it. Seriously, you don't know what good does he have in store for you, but also what bad is he rescuing you from? Seriously, do what the Lord tells you to do. James 4, you listen to the Lord and you say, "If Lord, these are my plans and if I'm alive tomorrow, is this what you want me to do? I want to be awake, I want to be sober, I want to be watching, I want to be praying. That's, there's not a generic answer to that. There's not a generic definition to what that is. So if you are naturally a person who's sort of, oh, it'll all work out, and what's going to happen is what's going to happen, God might say, hey, you get a budget, and you scrimp and save, and I want you to put 500 bucks every month in a bank account. There'll be somebody else who is all budgeted and ordered and has a plan and has a, a five-year plan and a 20-year plan, and they're like, I'm in control of my life, and I got it all scripted out, and God's going to like, hey, you know what? We're going to clean your savings account out today, and you're just going to give it all away to missions. Ah! Come on. You watch, and you pray, and you Know the voice of the Lord, and you do what he says. Like, but Mitch, financial savings is wise, and preparing for the future is just common sense wisdom. Well, 1 Corinthians says this, Where is the wise man? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? For since in the wisdom of God the world through its wisdom did not know him, God was pleased through the foolishness of what was preached to save those who believe. For the foolishness of God is wiser than man's wisdom, and the weakness of God is stronger than man's strength. Whatever God tells you to do will look kind of foolish. It will be against your flesh. It will be kind of scary to you. It will require some faith. It will require you to swallow a big lump and obey. And it may not make any sense. God, why would we sell this really nice house we've dreamed about for years and now we're finally in it and you're having to sell it and move? And God, we've scrimped and saved this money and now you want us to give it away? God, we just finished parenting and you want us to adopt another Three children? I don't know. Whatever it is, obey God. Find the wisdom of God for you. What does Jesus tell you to do to prepare for the future? How are you needing to be filled, your lamp needing to be filled with oil? It won't be what the financial professionals or the preppers tell you to do. John 10, 27, Jesus said, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. If you are Jesus' sheep, you hear his voice. If you're not sure about that or you don't think you do, you need to get serious about that. Because the verse before this, Jesus says, the reason you don't hear me is because you're not my sheep. Get serious. Give him time. Give him attention. Watch and pray. Stay awake. Physically and spiritually. Stay awake. Do whatever he says. Because Jesus didn't give you the time and the money and the health and the energy and the skills and the talents that you have 
so that you can waste your life on a career or be looking at a screen all day. Come on. He didn't give you your life so that you can play phone games for an hour or two every day. Seriously, you don't need more clothes. You don't need to spend more money on yourself. You don't need to spend more time looking in the mirror or on your phone or going on another vacation. You don't need another gun, guys. That one hurts me too. You don't need a nicer car. Really. It may be fine, but you don't need it. You're not created for a career or a retirement or a tropical vacation or another hunting trip. It's not why Jesus made you. It's not the purpose of your life. You're created to serve God and rescue people from hell. How many of you have seen uh, Schindler's List? It was like almost 30 years ago, I think, that I saw it. True story. Oscar Schindler is a Nazi businessman in Germany who's a member of the Nazi party, using Jews from the concentration camps as essentially slave labor. But as he hires people out of the camp, they get to walk out of the camp and come into his factory and work there. Just It's just like down the road or across the street or something. As he meets these people and realizes that they're being gassed and thrown into ovens, he begins to, over the course of the period of World War II and the Holocaust, he begins to realize the more people I hire, the more I save from the ovens. And so he begins to lose money on purpose in his business because he's hiring way more people than he needs. And he's spending all of his wealth, all of his uh, assets of his personal savings and his business. He's blowing all of his money, buying more and more Jews out of the camp because they can stay working for him and the story is more complex than this, but at the end of the story, when everything, the war is over and the Americans have liberated the camp and, and the people that he saved are all around him and he begins to get frantic with regret because he still has money left that he hadn't spent to buy more people out of the camp. And I don't know if you remember, but he looks at his watch and he's like, I could have sold my watch and saved three more people out of the camp. And it actually happened. It's true. And that's what's going to happen to you on Judgment Day. When you stand before the God whose face melts stone, and you're like, dear God, I wasted my time, and I spent so much money on myself, and I could have pulled more people out of hell. Nothing else matters after it's over. And God isn't going to smile and say, it's okay. He'll say, yes, you're right. You blew it. You weren't watching and praying. You fell asleep. What's falling asleep look like? It means you spend all your time and money on yourself. You go on multiple vacations and keep buying new cars. And It's not wrong to own a new car. It's not wrong to go on a vacation. It's not wrong to eat out. But we all do way more than necessary. It's not wrong to play a game on your phone, but it's way more than necessary. Don't waste what God gave you. Stay awake. Watch and pray. 
We don't want to be the undercommitted one-talent servant who buries his money under a tree and doesn't do anything with what God gave him. Neither do we want to be the overcommitted Martha, who's just busy, busy, serve, serve, got to do, got to be, got to make Jesus happy, got to do all the right things. No, sit like Mary, sit at Jesus' feet and listen and then go do what he says. Seriously, if you respond to what I'm saying today with panic of, oh no, I'm wasting my life, and you go out and try to fix it all in one week. No, the point is, settle down. You haven't been listening to Jesus. Your lamp is about to run empty. Sit still and listen and get filled and then go burn. Listen to him and do what he says. Three or four times in those verses I read you, Jesus said, and Paul said, watch and pray. Watch and pray. They go together. You may think you're watching, but if, it's not respond, if you're not responding with prayer, then you're just listening to the news. You're not really watching. Hello? And some of you, you just want to respond with prayer and spiritual things, and I don't pay attention to what's going on in the news and the world, and it's watch and pray. Watch and pray together. But what I, what I noticed even recently about the way I pray and most everybody else is that over the last year and a half, it's almost two years now, um, our prayers are, God, save us from these wicked people. Save us from corona. Save us from government corruption. Save us from evil culture, and we're praying, we want God to stop the bad things that are happening because I want to go back to when life was easier and comfortable and I felt safe, and there was toilet paper on the grocery store shelves and flour and all of that stuff, and, and I, I have repented. Our prayers have to be, Jesus, what are you doing? What do you want? I give my life for your glory. Your kingdom come and your will be done. And no matter what happens between now and then, I'm yours. Forgive me, Lord, for praying panicked prayers, for praying selfish prayers, for praying angry prayers. The things we're praying even are correct. Yes, I'm angry about injustice. I'm angry about corruption in the government and corruption in business and, all of, and the medical system and all of the terrible, wicked stuff that's gone on in the last two years. But my prayer for Jesus to stop all of that or save us from it can't be about my own comfort. It's got to be your kingdom come, your will be done. So we do whatever... We do whatever he says. Nobody's going to make it out of here alive, folks. Live accordingly. Seriously. No one makes it out of here alive. Live accordingly. You will individually stand before the God whose face melts stone. And he will examine your life. We're all going to have regrets like Oscar Schindler. We're all going to have regrets. But you can start obeying now. You can repent of selfishness with your time and your money and your priorities. 
Give it all to Jesus. Do what he says. He will prepare you for your future. Amen.